How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. When you look at officiating, I don't think it's ever been better in the league. There are over 42,000 plays in a season. Multiple infractions could occur on any play. Take that out and extrapolate that. That's hundreds if not millions of, of, of potential fouls and our officials do an extraordinary job of getting those are there mistakes in the context of that yes they are not perfect and officiating never will roger goodell some of his comments from bit of the state of the league address the officiating comments got a lot of attention attention joe and i talked about that a bit in the seven o'clock hour quite a bit that he is probably right that things are in a good spot not perfect but Really in a good spot from when it comes to officiating. Jeremy White, Sneaky Joe with you here on WGR. And joining us on the Western Hotline is Richard Deitch, Buffalonian, all around the world, Toronto. He does the sports media podcast. Uh, Richard, good morning. Good morning, Gus. So a lot of things to get to, of course. Um, I mean, we could start with the Bills season. How the Bills season hit you? <laughs> We're still kind of you know reeling from the way that it did end. Yeah, I mean, you know, as someone who covered the team, you know, when Howard Simon was a, a pup, um, or I was a pup, Howard Simon was a, a little bit older pup. Um, it's it was it was a it was a real from it was a, there was a lot of emotion. I, I imagine, like many Buffalonians, I sort of felt the the same thing. There just like so much happened to that team in one season. It was almost like a decade worth of things that happened to a singular organization so i try to keep it in perspective and i know that's very hard for bills fans to do but you know it's not so long ago where the team was no factor nationally in that league the team really looked like it had no long-term future it didn't have a franchise quarterback so things are in a much better place that said i think if you ask me heading into the season i thought they would have been in the super bowl it seemed like things were lining up i love the von miller signing and so it's been a long time, at least for an NFL team, where I sort of experienced, you know, so many different emotional things during a singular year. And I, I did actually expect them to lose to the um, to the Bengals. It, they really just, to me, on that game felt like a spent team. And I think emotionally, and I think that's what we saw on the field that day, obviously understanding that there are some personnel decisions that, that need to be upgraded. So it was, you know, having – Watched this team for a long, long time. I covered them way, way back in the day. It, uh, it it was a pretty surreal and interesting year. And, Richard, you know, as you say, they used to be a non-factor. I think this is part of the conversation here about sports media. We have conversations now about are they going to get on Sunday night or Monday night and Thanksgiving three out of four years. And it's a team that, you know, the 
whatever, the overall image of the franchise or the, the whatever, the footprint, however you want to say it, they are, they've moved into like premier franchise in the league when it comes to eyeballs right there with the Chiefs and some of the other, maybe like the Blue Bloods, you know, Steelers, Cowboys. Um, they're not quite like the Cowboys, but this team matters on, on a national level with NFL fans. And I think Bills fans kind of are starting to get whatever, comfortable with that. That's, that's, that's a fun place to be. Yeah, no, look at the Bills fans on the red carpet. Unbelievable change. Um, yeah, no, the they absolutely are. I mean, no one's the Cowboys, by the way, in terms of a, a national team. They're, they're the viewership um, sort of flagpole in the league. That probably will not change in our lifetime, regardless of how the Cowboys are. It's just sort of baked into the NFL scheduling pie. But, yeah, I mean, I put the Bills with, you know, the Packers, the Steelers, the Chiefs, um, you know, whatever, like, the sort of hot team is. At that moment, the Eagles are generally speaking a very, very good television team because of that market. Um, interestingly enough, the New York teams and the LA teams are not. Uh, they need to actually be good. I, I would say to be considered a television team. But yeah, I mean the Bills are there. The, the reality, the thing with the NFL, and this is actually reality, is you can tell what teams are national teams very simply by the teams that get the national windows you know if you're getting monday night football games if you're getting sunday night football games if you're uh set up for the back end of the double header for cbs or fox at 425 and if you get you know your one thursday night football game like you know you're a national your national team that's generally speaking um what the indicator is and the last couple of years obviously given what my job is you know talking to a lot of television executives like they want the bills like that's just reality they're an exciting fun team they score a lot of points they have a lot of stars that's the kind of team that doesn't just draw fans from buffalo but you know draws fans from boise and los angeles and miami etc this is a ways off do you think they would be back in play for that opening game despite the fact that they were in it last year they play both the eagles and the chiefs on the road next year Uh, yeah i would doubt it and i would i said this to like uh um like toronto fans too who like lose their mind if they're like uh you know, if they're not on national TV for the NBA or stuff like that, like, it, it, you know, like Bill Smith, it's okay. Like if you're not in the opener, like it doesn't mean that the league doesn't like you, et cetera. Uh, but I would say no. I think just because my sense is that the league likes to generally speaking, change that up a little bit with the teams. And so I would just, if you're asking me today, I would take a guess and say they probably will not, be in that. If I had to guess, and again, you know, it's like I've talked to the NFL schedule uh, makers in the last uh, couple months. You know, Eagles, Chiefs, Cincinnati. Probably, I, I would be very surprised if one of those three teams are not part of the opener. Speaking with Richard Deitch on the uh, Wester Hotline. All right, so you're mentioning TV executives. You know, we can talk about the teams. And then, of course, there are the people that are on the broadcast. And I, I've read you writing about Greg Olson. He's on the Super Bowl with Kevin Burkhart. The Brady conversation has kicked up. I mean, you know, we talk about Tom Brady a lot. He was a part of our lives for a long time. So let's start with the Fox team now and Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhart. And the, the way things go in the booth, because I think, Greg Olson's not exactly like a household name at this point. He, he he openly talks about, like, he doesn't have the star power that Aikman does or that Brady will, but he's been pretty good at it. And I guess, Richard, the question I have for you is, what's more important to these television executives? Is it being good at it, or is it just being the star? <laughs> you know that old phrase, like, the answer to all your questions is money? That's that's, hmm. that's what's important to television executives. Um, 
Well, Olsen's interesting because you hit it on the head. He's not a Dallas Cowboys quarterback. He's not a Super Bowl winning quarterback. You know what I mean? He, he's not someone who is a star in the league. And the NFL, of course, markets its, its league through quarterbacks as they should. So that makes him just an interesting person in television because he didn't come from the same path. He's had a very, very good year. And I think part of the reason he's been good is, one, like he's clearly prepped and he's able to understand some uh, – I'm sorry, he's able to let viewers know some complex things in some very layperson terms, and that's obviously a, a significant skill. I also think he um, he got the benefit of uh, low expectations. And, you know, I, I'm not sure what people thought coming in. I don't think they thought that Greg Olson was going to be the next Aikman or the next John Madden. And he's been really, really good. And so in that case, you know, you, you want to, um, you know, you want to over in any job, right? You want to, you want to overperform what people think you're, you're going to do. And that's what Olsen has done. Burkhart's a very good play by play person. He's, uh, um, he's unselfish with the mic. He, he gives his analysts a lot of time to make their points. And I think Olsen is for Fox. I think it's been an incredibly successful thing because, you know, he costs you a lot less money than the other analysts, whether it be Aikman or, or Romo or you know, Collinsworth. And he's had a very, very good year. They just got bailed out, if you're really sort of wanting in into inside sort of sports media terms, by Brady saying he's going to take a gap year and not work next year because they really would have had a kind of a tough decision. And, I, and it wouldn't have been a decision. Like Greg Olson would have gone to the number two team. But that, that would have been pretty rough for Fox executives in that you had this short thing. You had a great year with Kevin Burkhart. You're then breaking up what has been an excellent team. You'd be putting Greg Olson on number two team, trying to get the chemistry for whatever that group is. And then you're trying to, and then you bring Tom Brady in and you hope, knock on wood, right, that he's pretty much really good right off the bat. So Tom Brady gave them a break in that it'll be Olson and Burkhart next year. And then finally, I would just say this, like, Sunday is very big for the professional career of Greg Olson. He may never do a Super Bowl again. He may never have this kind of audience again. And whatever he becomes and wherever he goes, which could be beyond Fox, Sunday will how he does Sunday will determine that. All all the money that Brady got, and also you can go back to what Buck and Aikman too last year. How, what, what is the worth of those guys really to the broadcast? I feel like I've read plenty of times that they don't really affect ratings all that much. And I, I agree. Like I like Olsen in the booth a lot. But I, I just kind of wonder what these networks truly care about. Because they're giving Brady all this money when they have no idea, or they didn't when they signed him, I don't think, how good he would be at this job. So I guess like what, what are these networks really looking for when they're debating Olsen and Brady and like how much money to give these guys? Yeah, I mean, you're going to need a lot of psychotherapy if you really want to try to determine why television executives do what they do. Don't always pretend that they, you know, these are uh, these are the leading MIT people in our country. Um, return on investment is a very tricky thing when it comes to sports broadcasting contracts because you are absolutely correct. None of these people are going to increase the ratings one iota. You are watching the Bills Chiefs on NBC, uh, whether it's, you know, Romo or Aikman doing the game or Jeremy White and Richard Deitch doing the game. Like, that, that's the drive for you. It's the game, the matchup, competitiveness of the game. What the networks will say, and this is where it's correct, is how you process the game, how you feel about the program that you just watched really is determined by the people on the screen and obviously the production people behind the scenes. And that's why they're getting paid 
the money that they do because the network wants you to come away with sort of the goodwill of, man, NBC puts on a good football broadcast, or man, ESPN puts on a good football broadcast. And their thought would be that that keeps you with the network long term. Obviously, that means that you may purchase the ads that appear on that network. It's very important to them to have the NFL sign off and like who their broadcasters are. This is why ESPN finally got Buck and Aikman, because they were really tired, I think, of both the public and the NFL, not particularly being satisfied with their booth. So most of these kind of broadcasting contracts, in addition to what the sort of market bears at the moment, is about, like, network executives trying to put on a product that will keep their viewers happy with the product. But in terms of viewership, you guys are absolutely correct. It, it Greg Olson is not – and there's no disrespect to him or Kevin Burkhardt. Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhardt are not going to add a single viewer to the Super Bowl. You are watching the Super Bowl because you want to watch that game. Who the broadcasters are is really just about how you experience the game. Speaking with Richard Deitch on uh, the Western Hotline, when it comes to the Brady conversation, you know, like I, I, I wonder what that role is supposed to be. You know, you say no one's adding real numbers to that, and Richard, we're we're kind of at a point where I don't know if it's a long term fracturing off, but ESPN going to the Manning cast for someone like me, and I think maybe what like two million people, it's a, it's a the number that are watching the regular broadcast dwarfs what's watching the Manning cast. But for those of us that do watch the Manning cast, I, I feel like I get much more value out of a regular game that doesn't involve my team on that. So the right now, the way that it stands, the only person that actually drives me to the television to watch a game is Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. And I feel like the other jobs, the the Olsons, the Brady, whoever's in those seats, and Tony Romo is in, this, is in the spotlight a lot for this lately because all of a sudden everyone kind of thinks he's not good at it anymore or something's happened there. So what's the job supposed to be? And, you know, I guess the second part of that is the Romo criticism. Like what what has happened to him over his couple of years here? Yeah, so let's take the first part. Um, you, you are an anomaly, uh, Jeremy, just in terms of like the metrics and the numbers. So I've been told that before, Manning, by the way. <laughs> they, yeah, it's a compliment. It's good to be unique. So the, the Manning cast um, averages over the course of a season about 1.5, 1.6 million viewers. The, the broadcast will average 14, 15. So we're talking 10x more people are watching the main broadcast than the Manicast. Doesn't mean the Manicast isn't successful. Quite the opposite. It's additive viewing, and it gives viewer choice, which is what ESPN really wants. It actually, you know, again, it keeps you buying ESPN, and ESPN is a very expensive thing to buy still in the cable universe. Um, so, but the reality is most of your audience will not watch the Manicast. They'll watch the main broadcast and there's a long discussion as to why, you know, viewer habit. Uh, people want to see the sort of the big screen in, in a game. They're used to that. I think the hardcore football fan, and I think a lot of media people do watch the Manicast, and it's an excellent product, un- unquestionably so. It's uh, um, They have something there. In terms of the Romo criticism, you know, and again, I'm somebody who um, very early on really, really praised Tony Romo and thought he was a revolution as a, an analyst. I don't think he and Nance had a great year. But what I do think is, and this, is ha- this happens a lot in, in sports um, uh, television um, and, and sports media sort of writ large, once somebody sort of writes a couple think pieces about a, a, a broadcaster, it's a very easy kind of wave to start piling on, particularly on social media and on Twitter. And I think that's what happened with Tony Romo this year. I, I don't think Tony Romo is as bad as the um, 
you know, the social media sentiment might be at the same time. Yeah. I, I think there was something off with that broadcast. Um, Romo comes in way too hot lately in terms of just really talking a lot and being a little too overexcited. So you get a little bit more of that as opposed to analysis. I don't necessarily buy that. He's not studying. That seems absurd to me. I think all these guys study and, and they prep. Um, but you know, like this does happen. I mean, this, I'll give you an example, which I never thought I would saw Al Michaels this year experienced criticism for the first time in his long career. Uh, you know, people saying he wasn't interested in the game. Uh, you know, he didn't have good calls. So at a certain point, every broadcaster with the exception of Vince Scully, like really, you know, they, they, they get some criticism at a certain point in the career. And to me, the interesting thing is going to be just how Romo and CBS sort of deal with that and what we get from that crew next year. And it's a big year for CBS next year because CBS has the Super Bowl. Next year will be Nance and Romo in the Super Bowl. Last thing, Richard, the Amazon broadcasts, I thought the Amazon broadcast, you know, Romo, or excuse me, Michaels and Herb Street notwithstanding, the studio show, I thought Amazon had the best broadcast of any carrier mm. when it came to the studio show and the alternate feed, the next-gen stats, the, the visuals they could provide when it comes to tracking plays and the player tracking. And what, I, what I'm getting at with that is everybody is chasing the elusive NBA inside the NBA and TNT, right? Every, every sport wants its version of Shaq and Barkley and Ernie Johnson and Kenny Smith. Everybody wants that. And I felt like Amazon got close to that with Fitz and Richard Sherman and Andrew Whitworth. Like, they were good. What, what kind of value is there in studio shows? What kind of value is there in that where, you know, the, some of the trend is to put 12 people. I'm sure the Super Bowl this week, there's going to be a desk with 30 people behind it, right? Like, you can't get enough people on the screen. Um, and when it comes to chasing things, it really does seem like they're they're all chasing that NBA model. Yeah, I mean, studio analysts, uh, it's super, that's a growth industry. It'll never go down. Um, that, you know, your, 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 um, your analysis of Amazon is interesting because, you know, when I talk to people about Amazon, they usually focus more on the game. And the production, the production was excellent. You know, how you feel about Michaels and, uh, and Herb Street is sort of how you feel about Michaels and Herb Street. But there, I, I didn't read or, or hear a lot of talk on the pregame. And I, I just think because, one, it was a new product, and, two, the numbers probably watching that pregame are pretty low. Um, you know, because I think most people who probably watched or sampled Thursday Night Football this year, they probably, they probably sampled it right around game time. The one thing I will say, having watched that, is I, I think that group really improved over the over the course of the year. Um, I, I, I'm not sure I'm as high on them as you are, but I do think they were different in that the, they felt much more um, free flowing. You know what I mean? Le- far less like quote unquote TV and more like mm-hmm. improvisational, which I think is the the way you want to go for a studio show for the exact reason you said the genius of inside the NBA on top of obviously who's on it is that it never feels scripted, right? It never feels like, okay, 30 seconds, Shaq, you give your point, 30 seconds, Charles, you give your point, 30 seconds, Kenny. That's what ESPN a lot of times felt like over the years. You know, uh, Turner might go, you know, Shaq might go seven minutes on something, (laughs) you know, and then Barkley will say something for like, he'll have a one liner and they'll go to break. They just don't, they don't quote unquote do TV. They just have a conversation and I think at different points, Amazon had that. My, my one thing with uh, Amazon, Tony Gonzalez, to me, sort of, I'm not sure why he's on the set and what he's providing. So I think they have already sort of maybe one too many people. Um, I'm not sure how much, at least as my, sort of my experience, you know, Whitworth sort of was hit or miss when he sort of was coming on. 
But I do agree with you. I think, like, they do have something with Richard Sherman and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, Carissa Thompson's a good host because she's, again, like, she, she understands the job, which is to set her analysts up. And so I do think they got something with Fitzpatrick and Sherman, and I think they will um, build on that. And, the, and, the, and it looked good. If nothing else, like, after the game, it kind of looked like a fun place to be. And I think if you're a studio show, that's what you want, right? You want, you want to feel like hanging out with these people would be pretty cool. Yeah. Richard Deitch hosts the Sports Media Podcast. Richard, thanks very much for the time, and uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, one of the uh, you know big media events of the year, of course, in, uh, in the business. Yeah, enjoy is maybe the wrong word. I'll be up till 3 a.m. following for the athletic. <laughs> very good. Very good. Richard, Richard Deitch joining us. Thanks, Richard. Thanks, guys. I had something I wanted to mention to you right off of that, and what was it, Joe? What was it? Was it... Thursday night flexing, or we were talked about that a little bit. Is it Romo related? No. He said he doesn't buy the idea that he doesn't study. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that was it for me either. I I just think that he, the game is just getting too far away from him at this point. No, I don't think that's it either. Maybe he just needs to take a little coaching. He needs to take a chill pill. <laughs> I like the way he comes in too hot. Yeah. That is what he does a lot. I also, this didn't come up with Richard, he wrote recently about, this is the bigger story that doesn't really pertain to Buffalo because of MSG, the the Sinclair Sport uh, Sinclair Broadcast Group bankruptcy that is going to impact like 30 regional sports networks around the country, Bally Sports, and if all those go away, how like salary caps and all, well not, not the NFL, but the other three sports could all go down. Because it's going to be billions of dollars in broadcast revenue that just disappears. If they disappear. Mm. If they disappear. Which is still a huge if. But. When we get back, a follow-up to your conversation with <laughs> Sal yesterday. Sal uh-huh. said he had a question that was either a good question or a terrible question. It was up to you to decide. I would like to field this question. Okay. If you didn't hear what it was, it was about how much credit the previous Sabres GM should be getting for the Sabres' current roster i'd like to field that question and perhaps talk a little trade rumor for the sabers as well that's coming up how powerful is cox internet powerful enough to let your band members in vegas phoenix and rhode island jam like you're all in the same garage get cox internet powered by fiber with america's fastest download speeds it's internet built for tomorrow today Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone. Whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. 
in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.